With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From a network of highly secure top secret locations across South Texas, this is the Spurs Insider Podcast, post-NBA draft, pre-NBA free agency. We have a window here that may not be very big to talk about how your local cagers roster looks at the moment. We are recording this on a Tuesday. NBA free agency starts on Thursday evening, central daylight time. And for the moment, your Spurs are uh, in the middle of a, of a youth movement that just became more pronounced last week with the addition of three teenagers in the NBA draft. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about moves coming up. I am your host, Mike Finger, joined as always by beat writers Jeff McDonald and Tom Morrisborn and Express News Sports Editor Nick Talbot. Uh, Jeff McDonald, where should we start? I'll, I'll leave it up to you. What's, what's, what's the, the topic that's going to bring all the listeners into this podcast? What, what do we need to talk about first? We need to talk about the travesty on draft day when the Spurs traded their second round pick for almost nothing. I mean, that's what all the, that's what all the Spurs uh, fans want to talk about today, I think. What might have been with Kennedy Chandler? What might have been? He's, 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 he's a smaller fella. I think that's probably why you're upset. It would, he would have been the only Spur um, smaller than you, I believe. And now he's gone. But I think spinning this back to the last podcast, which was a week ago, I think my whole theory about how people don't come here for intel, uh, that, that, that premise might have been thrown on its ear because one of us, when I think Nick Talbot stepped in in the middle of that podcast and, and put me on the spot and said, well, who are the Spurs going to take with the first round pick? I think the first name that I mentioned was one Jeremy Sohan of the Baylor Bears, and that's exactly what happened. And that, if you're a fan of the local Cagers, should trouble and alarm you if I got it right. Um, but, what's, Tom, what do you think of, of, of the cheeky uh, Oklahoma-born Polish Englishman, Jeremy Sohan? Well, he's going to be good for us. Uh referring to the media but beyond that and most importantly he's you know he fits what they're looking for in today's nba they want versatile guys he can cover the three four and five you know can pass can move the ball fits into that uh aspect of the spurs system uh good defender maybe a great defender we'll see um but yeah he sees everything that they wanted um, in terms of trying to find a player that that really fits in today's NBA, Jeff McDonald. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, <laughs> it's it's very much um, kind of um, as, as Brian Wright was referring to uh, after the the, the draft, um, mostly with with the the two wings that they drafted, which I can we can talk about later. It's really a positionless sort of game now um, where if you watch the playoffs, sometimes you're playing a bunch of wings, uh, no centers sometimes, but Sohan kind of fits into that where 
he's versatile enough to play, um, you know, one of three positions. I think Brian said they envision him playing some three, some four, some five. He can guard all the positions if need be, switch, play around the perimeter um, defensively. Um, obviously, it's a guy that's going to have to um, probably hone his offensive skills a little bit. That wasn't really his bag at Baylor as much, uh, at least as far as jump shooting is concerned. I think he could probably still get some stuff done uh, in pick and roll situations right now, but and around the rim right now. But um, the jump shot's kind of a work in progress. I think he's come to a good um, program to sort of uh, hone and refine that jump shot and improve it. Um, but it's also, yeah, it, it's sort of like what we spoke about last week on the podcast. Um, maybe not a guy that is going to, uh, you know, wow everyone and compete for rookie of the year honors as, you know, in his first season, but a guy with a very high upside that you could see becoming sort of a, you know, if not a Boris Diaw type, maybe even a, a, Dr- a Draymond Green type where he's just does a whole lot of things for you, a whole lot of um, uh, makes a whole lot of winning plays for you. So it's a it's a pick with a lot of upside, a lot of ceiling. And it's also going to require patience to sort of look through um, what he can become, you know, when he's in his 20s and not 19. In addition to all of the skills that you mentioned uh, that that draw comparisons to Draymond Green. There's, there's also some, um, some personality <laughs> similarities there too, in that if, if this goes well for the Spurs, Jeremy Sohan is going to be opposing teams least favorite player on the Spurs, just because he has that Draymond like knack of getting under opponent's skin. He's, he's, he can be an annoying opponent and the Spurs have had a few of those over the years. Like this is a more talented guy than Bruce Bowen, <laughs> but, um, but this is like, like if you watched any Baylor this year, that there were, there were stretches where Jeremy Sohan really didn't touch the ball for a while. And you noticed him because he was just involved and he defended and he, and, and he agitated people and, you know, every team needs a player like that. And if the offensive part of it comes, if he can develop a jump shot, he has the athleticism, the upside, we talked last week about ceiling versus floor. Uh, this was not a floor pick. This was not, as Jeff mentioned, a rookie of the year uh, candidate that's, that's going to be at the top of the board in terms of, of, of who people vote for with the biggest stats this season. But he's the guy in that at that part, part of the draft that if you squint and, and, and try to see what he could become if all the tools come together, he's, he's the guy that probably had the best chance of becoming an all-star at some point. I think the worst thing the Spurs could have done with that nine pick is pick a guy who, Johnny um, Davis. yeah, or yeah. Or a guy like that, who maybe is a nice role player in the NBA for 10 years. Um, right. They don't need that guy. The Spurs right. don't, they, they need, the, it's better to take a swing on a guy like Sohan or some of the other guys. Uh, like him that were available at that spot. And if, if you whiff, you whiff. Like I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather whiff on, on a Sohan than take a steady Eddie type at, at this point in the Spurs rebuilding process. Yeah. Johnny Davis has a higher probability of contributing this year of having a 10 year productive career. But I think Johnny Davis, and, and I'm not picking on that kid, but just in, in general, that, to use him as an example, he has a They're lower pro- probability of, just becoming a franchise type player. And, and the Spurs did that last year with Josh Primo. 
I mentioned this before they did it. That's, that's, that's what they still have hope in a couple of years ago. They did it with Lucas Samanich who it didn't work out, but I mean, they took their chance and I think they sort of did it with their, we can get into the, to the second and third picks of the first round, the guys taking it 20 and 25. I'll, I'll let y'all transition into that. But those guys also are um, long-term kind of upside type plays, right? Yeah, Tom wrote a nice uh, nice piece on Malachi Branham. Why don't you let him uh, break down the Ohio Stater? Yeah, uh, he's being painted as a you know a major steal in the draft. Uh, they had him pegged going late teens, uh, you know, lottery maybe late lottery to the teens, and um, he fell into the lap at twenty. They had talked about possibly moving up to grab him. They liked him so much. Um, yeah, but he's, uh, you know, he can shoot. He's a shot creator, um, three-level scorer, uh, someone that, that you know, if he can, if that skill set is true and he can, he can bring it to the NBA, that's something they've been missing. You know, Devin has shown signs of being that guy, but this guy might be a little bit more dynamic. Um, so, yeah, it was a great pick. And maybe the most NBA ready of the three. Or the yeah. closest to what he's going to be. I yes, that's a, I think I would say that's a definite. Just because of his sh- shooting prowess, you look at. I mean, you look at Sohan's shooting numbers and yeah. address that. You know, he shot thirty percent, thirty percent from three at Baylor, and that's a major sticking point. Whether or not he can improve on that, whereas Branham is a fifty percent, forty percent, forty-one percent, and and also eighty-three percent from the free throw line. Right. Pretty, so, pretty good indicators some pretty good indicators that he's going to be able to shoot the ball, you know, and then it's just a matter of whether or not he adapts and can shoot and keep those levels that higher within those, within those ranges. Anyway, he'll, he'll be an effective scorer. Um, I was kind of intrigued by the, by the other pick. I just think, you know, I've only, I've only watched all, all these kids a couple of times, obviously, because we're not scouting 24 seven. We'll see him in them in the, you know, in the NCAA tournament or, you know, conference games or whatever, but you know, I kind of like, I kind of like the, what they got at number 25, too. That's a scrappy kid. Yeah, Blake Wesley is just a, you know, you take a swing on him um, just looking at the the raw skill, not skill, but raw athleticism, um, physical talent, just the speed. Um, what's, what's the phrase, Brian? Use downhill ability. Um, that makes sense to me. And just, just um, explosiveness, but very raw still. Like, I mean, you know, he wasn't a Blake Wesley wasn't a guy that is your typical one and done. He was one and done in Notre Dame, the first in in, in school history. He's not, you know, he he wasn't a he wasn't a McDonald's All American coming out of high school. wasn't a five star recruit. Um, you know, didn't didn't just didn't have that pedigree of the guys that normally come out um, after one year. But you can see the just the physical skills, and if he could put the um, basketball part of it together, I think you're looking at a really intriguing guy with, again, a huge ceiling at, at number 25. I think of the three, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb here at all, of the three, he's the one most likely to spend the most time in the G League this season, Blake Wesley is. Um, the other thing is this, the Spurs have done well with guys with two first names, Blake Wesley, Tim Duncan, <laughs> Tony Parker. Like That seems to work that's, out for them. That's kind of – Duncan and Parker – Duncan and Parker. That's not. That's not a two first name. You obviously, you on, obviously have not met any anyone under the age of about uh, twelve. 
How about David Robinson? David Robinson. David also. Robinson. We could stretch this to include just about every name in the world because, yeah, okay. I'll let it. I'll let it slide. But that's ridiculous. Mike. Mike Finger doesn't know any children. Well, most of what Jeff says is ridiculous when he's not talking about the Spurs. So we have to take him with a grain of salt. Like Lorenzo Joe is a guy with two first names. Well, Tim, Tim, Tim Duncan. Okay. Okay. Funniest night. Funniest moment of draft night. I, I don't know why I just thought of this, but it's it's something that I think the viewers slash listeners will enjoy. We're at the Spurs draft party. I think Jay Billis is mentioning about somebody's pick. I can't remember whose pick it was. That the the guy went to the same high school as Jimmy Garoppolo. And so, okay, that's a good tidbit. And Jeff McDonald just goes crazy. Like, why would he mention that? Like, oh, okay, am, am I going to start mentioning that the, uh, another pick went to the same uh, high school as uh, Don Rickles or Adam Sandler? And I'm like, I don't think Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo is not that old. I don't understand why you're so upset about him mentioning that he, he went to the same high school as another, as another athlete. And Jeff meekly uh, responds, oh, I thought you said Janine Garofalo. Um, I was I was I was amused by that. I, I feel like this is a massive invasion of my privacy right now, except uh-huh. for uh, like who's listening to this. Right. Well, our, our numbers are good. And this is a good segue here. Our producer well, Louise terrible. mentioned that that we had somewhere between three thousand and three million downloads last week. Uh, for the for the grand return of the Spurs Insider podcast, say that again. Uh, somewhere between three thousand and three million downloads. That's a huge. Uh, that's a huge uh, spread there. Yeah, but it's true, and I think that uh, that that just shows the rising popularity. That, that's like saying we 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 had somewhere between four and one jillion downloads. That's also true. Also true. Who's going to refute that? Don Rickles, by the way, Don Rickles, by the way, went to Newton High School in Queens. It was uh-huh. established in 1897, and it's still around today. Well, who's their best NBA player from Newton <laughs> High School in Queens? Yeah, notable you don't know that. Stop your head. Yeah, and everyone who downloads this podcast also goes to ExpressNews.com and subscribes to the Spurs Nation newsletter. That would just be fantastic. That's all I'm going to say. And why would they not? It's free, um, right? Costs you nothing. What, it costs you nothing to go to the site and sign up for the newsletter, but yeah, like it would be helpful to like to get all of the insight from Tom Orsborn and yeah. Jeff McDonald and others. Like, there's a they're very reasonable uh, online subscription packages. Oh, to, to, to the for. entire the entire breadth of ExpressNews.com. Yeah, is what you're saying. The good oh. the good work that the whole staff is doing covering not only your local cagers but your community, the issues that matter, all that type of stuff. I think it's a good thing to do. Another good thing to do would be to segue into the saga that is DeJounte Murray, his future. Feels like we might be burying burying the lead a little bit here in this podcast, to be honest. Well, again, I gave you the right. (laughs) Everyone out there, rewind. Jeff McDonald just accused us of bearing the lead. And who did I give the option of, of deciding where we were going to start today? I, I, I think if you go back to the beginning of this podcast, I asked Jeff McDonald, where do you want to start today? He made his decision. 
now what 15, 20 minutes later, he's saying we started with the wrong thing. But anyway, we we can go to DeJounte Murray. All right, all right, let's 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 start all over from the from the top. <laughs> DeJounte Murray is the best player on the current edition of the San Antonio Spurs. He is a reigning all-star. He is a guy who is a a draft, one of many Spurs draft success stories, a guy taken at the very bottom of the of the first round. Improved every year as a spur, turned himself into not only one of the elite backcourt defenders in the league, but a a, a solid shooter, a, a playmaker, a shot creator, just the head of the spur snake. And for now is on a uh, a relative bargain of an of a contract, uh, uh, one one of one of the best deals in the NBA, probably one of the best values. But in two summers, in the summer of twenty twenty four. He will be eligible for an extension, a new contract that could pay him around $40 million a year. And those type of guys are, if you're going to pay somebody $40 million in the NBA, uh, those are the guys who are either competing for MVP awards and leading teams into championship contenders, or they're kind of an albatross around the, the whole team's salary cap. And, and guys who, who kill your flexibility, and you know the names of those guys, guys who are just clearly overpaid now. Let's, let's name them. Or, Russell. Yeah, Russell you got your Russell Westbrook. John Wall. John Wall's been that guy for a while. Um, James Harden could be that guy pretty soon. But then you've got your guys. I mean, other guys who are in the 40 million range are, are right now are like Luka Doncic and uh, Steph. Kawhi Leonard. Steph makes more than that. Um, a little bit. Steph made 46 this year, I think, 48, something like that. So it's, I think it's Steph's still, in the 50, 50 something range. But the Spurs have to decide whether in two years that they want to pay uh, DeJounte Murray $40 million a year and give him a five year extension. And if that's something they're comfortable doing, if they think that this guy can be the head of the snake on a team that's going to compete for championships, then the 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 rumblings, the murmurings around the league the past week, um, they should come out and refute those and say that's crazy talk. There's no way we're entertaining trade offers for this guy. We, of course, we want to have him around forever. And I'm sure that that's not the the best outcome for everyone. The the outcome that the Spurs dream of is that Dejounte is that guy who is in the middle of it all when they're contenders again. But if they're not sure about that, and if someone is is other GMs around the league are calling Brian Wright and saying, hey, we see the writing on the wall too, and we can offer you a slew of draft picks that really takes your rebuild to the next level. Um, First-round draft picks, maybe young players, that type of thing. I think the Spurs have to – they owe it to themselves to at least consider that. And that's where we are as of Tuesday afternoon, June 28, 2022. This could change in the next – Two hours, it could change in the next 24 hours, but that's where the situation stands right now. Um, it's unclear whether DeJounte Murray will be a member of the Spurs next year or not. And uh, I guess would, if the panel would like to weigh on in on that, they can. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think the Spurs would be crazy not to at least pick up the phone when people call, you know, and and see what the market is like for him at this point in time. They, they also have some time, too. Like you mentioned, you have two years. 
before you really yeah. have to make a decision. But you're, you know, I think there's a manner of thinking that you're going to get a better deal now than you will when you're under the gun. You know, we've we've seen that happen before with other players. Like like it's a different circumstance. But Kawhi, when everyone in the world knows you have to trade him, the offers yeah. aren't as good as when it you you know it seems to be a choice. So I think this is a good time to start start listening to offers. And if you hear one, get one that you think will um, kind of fast forward the rebuilding process um, with, like you said, young players and first round picks. And obviously you do that. You, you do that, but you, you don't have to pull the trigger in July either. Right. A couple of notes that I'd point out here. Number one, I don't think at 25 or 27, when this contract comes due, that DeJounte Murray would be an albatross at $40 million. Um, there are players in the league that are good number twos that make that just because of the economics of the league. You, you if you max out like Steph Curry, it builds on itself and he gets a higher salary. But there's also guys in the league that are number twos, such as like Thompson's and Chris Middleton's, who also made it close to that. I mean, Middleton was at like 36 this year. The issue with those deals, with the Clay Thompson, uh, Chris Middleton deals, is those are guys who are on teams that already have the other. Like that doesn't kill you if you have another one that's uh, that, where you're where you're just an over the top team or an over the cap team. You like it helped. Like you can the, the Warriors have been over the cap for years because they decided we're just going to build around these three guys and we're going to pay them whatever they want to make and then fill in around them with role players. Like it it hurt the forty million hurts you. I'm not dismissing what Nick is saying. He's he's, he's right. Like the 40 million doesn't necessarily have to be MVP or Albatross, but those, the Middleton Thompson type contracts are okay because they are playing alongside Giannis and Steph. There are very few um, situations where you're paying somebody, where a team is paying someone 40 million and he's the only guy you're paying 40 million. And he's, he's either an MVP or he's hurting you is basically my point there. And um, I think that's, that's important that Nick brought that up, that there, there are like nuances to this, but um, just because Golden State is getting away with paying Clay Thompson 40 million, and just because Milwaukee is getting away with paying Chris Middleton 40 million, does not mean that the Spurs could get away with paying DeJounte Murray 40 million if he has no help around them, because they're not going to be able to go out and sign a Giannis or a Steph once he's making that they, it kind of has to be built in. I know that's sort of, like I said, nuanced and complex. It almost has to be like when they hit on one of these guys, like a Josh Primo, right. or one of the guys they just drafted to end up being one of these guys. Correct. And that goes into the point of, well, should they just wait a year? But if you wait a year, your draft capital might not be as high. And then goes into the other thing is that I do trade Murray in this off season. What are you next year? And are you going full tank for Wimby? which is like what a lot of people are going to do because that's what everyone does every year is they pick a guy and then you're tanking for this guy. But, um, but that, that's where it kind of puts the franchise, right? I mean, how good is this team if you take Murray off? Of it? I think that the, the, the answer to that is, uh, and, and Wendy is a, a, an easier way to say um, the gentleman's name from, from France who, I've been told, and this is no secret, it would be a shock. And it's been a couple of years since there's been a player like this. Victor Wembanyama from France, 
a youngster who is the clear cut number one player in next year's draft. Uh, there probably is not a, a real close number two right now. Um, seven foot two kid who another unicorn who can do everything. Um, yeah. If DeJounte Murray's not around, like that's kind of what you're doing. That's you're, you're, you're not going to go halfway and say, Hey, let's trade DeJounte Murray and still sort of try to compete for a number 10 spot in the play in or whatever. Like if DeJounte Murray and, and this, this stinks for fans of the local cagers. It's thing. It stinks for fans of professional sports. Like other franchises have done this where you, you've discovered this kid, DeJounte Murray in this draft that other teams overlooked, you developed them, you grew to love them. He's as close, close with pop as any player since the big 12, big three. I mean, the mm -hmm. pop loves DeJounte. DeJounte loves pop. Um, fans love rooting for DeJounte Murray and you should, like the, the, he's fun to watch. He is a Spurs success story, and it stinks that two years away from his contract being up, you have to have these discussions. You have to consider these factors. But that's just the way it works. That's the way responsible franchises operate. And and again, like I, like I mentioned earlier, you would be doing yourself a disservice if you did not at least consider this stuff. And sure, like it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to wait a year um, and see what happens. See if. Josh Primo becomes a superstar. If Devin Vassell takes the next step, if any of these draftees come together, but then you run the, there's, there's always a risk. You run the risk of, okay, is DeJounte Murray's draft stock right now as high, or not draft stock, but, but trade value as high right now as it ever will be. And a year from now, if, if, if his trade value is lower and if the guys around him don't become superstars, well, then you're thinking, wow, we missed a chance to add a bunch of first round picks and maybe increase our chances to get young Victor from France. Like, what did we miss out on by not taking that offer from Atlanta or whoever in the summer of 2022? Like the, the, the end of GM is a hard job. Yeah. And, and you're hitting on why this is hard in a small market as well, because you don't have, you really don't, can't count on the, um, kind of panacea of like, well, maybe one day we'll sign LeBron or whoever is the right. big free or KD yeah. or whatever. I mean, you look at, it makes like what Milwaukee did to win a title pretty remarkable. Like you have to hit on that guy at 15 and then people will come and, um, and, and fit around that, but you have to have that guy right. first and you look at it and how all, all the timing has to line up for all that. I always think when I think about small market teams trying to build a championship, I think about like Oklahoma city and drafting future MVPs in three successive drafts and yep. still couldn't get it done and had to get rid of all of them. And that's, yep. that's almost more, the more likely scenario of having to keep continually cycle through these guys for a small market team like Oklahoma city or the Spurs when they're trying to rebuild, but it is that you hit on the, the Giannis, and you, you get the second fiddle in Chris Middleton, and then you're able to slot guys in that want to come play with those guys. So it's just a really difficult job to do when you, when you don't have the, the, the big like shot in the arm where you, know, you can go out and sign the big free agents when they come, come available. Yeah, you can't, you can't fault Brian Wright at all for, for entertaining the offers, trying to, trying to drive them up, asking for a high price. It, it'd be malpractice if he didn't do this. Do any of y'all have an opinion on, and, and this is not Spurs insider 
reporting that John Collins has been mentioned, but I believe from what I've been able to gather, like that's, that's, that has happened. Like the, the John Collins name has come up um, with the Spurs and the Hawks and the John Collins name has kind of been out there with the Spurs for a couple of years, going back to whenever the, the Hawks were trying to decide whether to, to extend him. But I'm just going to throw out there. Would, would you rather have a, if you're the Spurs, would you rather go after a deal that includes a player like John Collins who plays a position of need for the Spurs? He would slide right in it at the four. Um, he's under contract for, I believe, five more years. And not, a, not an outrageous amount. Um, and would, would you want Collins plus like a first round pick or a, a package built around that? Or would you rather just completely punt that young player in return and say, we don't care who you send back. We want all first round picks. We want three first round picks. We want, we want everything in draft capital. And then just give us like a Danilo Gallinari to make the salaries match where we're yeah. just going to completely tank. We're going to completely go to the bottom, um, go after, after young Victor next year, somebody like that, uh, start all the way over. Or would you rather kind of stay in the running when think that maybe John Collins becomes a future centerpiece that you can build around for several years and do it that way? What's what has more appeal to you guys? This is the main reason why I have not been hired to be an NBA general manager is I don't know. Like I see the benefits. I see the pros and cons of both. And I would be just paralyzed at the choice. I mean, John Collins does seem more like a, um, a win now type of type of move. Whereas if you're trading DeJounte, you're not, trying to win now. Right. Um, right. But I could, you know, did he's you say he's contract, contract for five years? Yeah. So, and how old is John Collins? I should know this off the top of my head, but. Younger than Danilo Gallinari would be the other guy that because he doesn't have a guaranteed contract. I am of the mind. Our, our, they tra- I mean, our I listeners are screaming at us right now. I don't know if like Collins gives you what you, I mean. He'll be 25 it. next season. Yeah. So he's, so he's one year younger than DeJounte. I don't know, even though he signed, I don't know if he gives you what you need. He's an okay number two, three guy, but I don't know if he gives you what you need if you're going to rebuild like that. And you're just going to win more games. So yeah, if they can get, I would be on the side if they can get Danilo Gallinari, wave him. I think I think his guarantee is only like $5 million, um, which saves you another, you know, $15 million or whatever. And then get three or four picks, because Collins in one pick isn't enough. I, I think Murray's worth more than Collins now, especially with the way Murray's played this over the over the last year versus how Collins has played. Even though I've been really high on Collins, I thought he'd be a great. I thought Collins would be a great fit next to Murray. But if you're going to put them next to each other, that's good, and you can build something there with all the young guys you have. But apart, I just I just don't see the point. The last time the Spurs had to trade an All Star, and again, this, the circumstances were different. Um, they kind of opted for, um, you know, trading for, for players that could keep you relevant now. Good players. DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan is, was the centerpiece of that deal when they traded Kawhi. And I think, I think trading Murray in a deal that would uh, include Collins might be a version of that where you end up just sort of in purgatory still. The, the, the other mitigating factors you're talking about there are, uh, they were over the barrel in terms of having to do it that sure, sure, that sure, sure. Month, basically. And LaMarcus Aldridge, LaMarcus Aldridge was around. 
So you yeah. had to, like, it made no sense to completely start over when you still had LaMarcus Aldridge. You still had um, a handful of veterans that were, like, like they had not started the youth movement yet. Yeah, right. In this case, in this case, once, once DeJounte Murray is gone, like, you are youthful. <laughs> with DeJounte Murray here, even with him here, the median age on this team is 22. I, I suppose I suppose that was my point. Like if uh, going the Collins route would be just kind of rehashing a, a a route you've already been down before, and probably makes less sense now than it did then. But um, devil's advocate, like does John Collins is much younger than Demar Derozan was at the time, and the, the, the John Collins, if you really like him, and I have no strong John Collins opinion. But if you really like him and think that he can take another step and become one member of a of a big three type, probably not the, the one of the two, but maybe the three, like he fits into the rebuilding. You see what I'm saying? Like he wouldn't it wouldn't you have him for five oh, years. Right, fine, let's do it. He's 24 years old. And this call, is call this Atlanta, is why let's it, do it. That's why it's so hard to be Brian Wright, because I can see the arguments either way. Um, and they don't have to take the Atlanta deal. I mean, there's, uh, there's lots of teams in the league that would be interested in DeJounte Murray. Um, it just seems like Atlanta's the one that's been creating the most, most buzz. Uh, I, I, I think this is, this is not to be aggregated. This is just gut feeling. I think that now that this is out there and Tom Orsborn gave Brian Wright a, a perfect opportunity if he would have chosen to, 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 completely refute the, the, the reporting about the Spurs talking about a DeJounte Murray trade the other day uh, after the draft, Brian Wright could have out, could have come out and said, if he wanted to and said, there's no way we're trading DeJounte Murray. All that reporting is ridiculous. He didn't say that. He said, we don't talk about trade talks, but you know, that I, I think if this was just completely made up, Brian would have said it like there's a, a, why would you not like you want to keep your star player happy, right? Why, why would you not say there's no way we're trading it on John Murray? He didn't do that. I don't know how much to read into that, um, except for the fact that they know it's a possibility that they could be trading to John You don't want to be on the record Correct. draft night saying there's no way. And even a year from now, he gets dealt. Correct. That's my yeah. point. If, if there was no way they were trading to John Murray, they would say there's no way they're trading to John Murray. I guess that's true, but that there's no way there's no way that there's no way that they're trading to nobody. If that makes sense, like everybody's available it's for a price, you know. In two thousand and eight, if there was reporting that the Spurs were talking to the Atlanta Hawks about Tim Duncan, I meant with this team in twenty twenty two. There's no way that nobody's not available on the Spurs roster. Correct, correct. Yeah. That means Dejounte Murray, by definition, is available. Yes, it shouldn't, and that shouldn't be breaking news to anybody. Anyway, my point is, I think that that if if I had to pick one way or the other, I, I would lean towards Jonathan Murray probably getting dealt this summer. This summer, yeah. As part of his charm, it's nice to see Dejounte not getting stressed about the whole thing with his uh, social media posts. He seems to be having fun with it, which is part of his charm, I guess. And by the way, if he was convinced he was staying, I don't think he'd be having as much fun with it. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I guess my hot take was going to be I don't I don't I don't think that you know I don't think he gets the next contract with the Spurs like I think he probably gets dealt sometime between now and when that's up but you you want to specify this summer if your hot take is if your hot take is true that he's not going to get his next contract with the Spurs you got specific 
No, I'm saying if your if your hot take is true, if you believe what you just said that Dejounte Murray is not going to get his next contract with the Spurs, then this then the Spurs the smart thing to do would be to trade him right now. He says his trade value is never going to be higher than it is right now. Am I wrong? I don't know. It might. Yeah, makes the All Star team again next year. I don't know. Probably not. But but then you're but then you're trading. Then the teams who'd be trading for him are only trading for one year of him instead of two. It's a good point. (laughs) I I don't feel strongly, but I think it's fifty one forty nine. But if if I had to pick the fifty one side, it's it's this. There's just too much. I can go with that. Fifty one forty nine. Yeah, I can take the fifty one side on that. I, I can see that. Anything else we need to get to? We've got free agency coming up, but it's kind of silly to talk about free agent targets when this huge elephant in the room hasn't been settled yet. I think the DeJounte the thing kind of determines everything. It feels like if you trade DeJounte, you're signing almost nobody this summer because what would be the point? Did the, uh, did the draft spell the end of Lonnie Walker's time in San Antonio? It's It's a... Um, Okay, look, uh, this is where I think that DeJounte, and I think I'm writing this um, when we when we get off this podcast, uh, barring a change of heart or breaking news. But um, the only way I see it making sense for the Spurs to extend that qualifying offer to Lonnie Walker, which I believe the deadline is Wednesday, um, if they extend the qualifying offer, he becomes a restricted free agent, which means the Spurs can match any offer to him. Um, the only way that makes sense is if is is if I, that was too strong. One of the ways that would make sense for them to do that is if Dejounte's gone because and and if like guards aren't coming back because then there's room for more guards to play in this rotation. You may take another shot with Lonnie. It's not like he's killing any kind of salary cap situation um so if Dejounte is on his way out then sure there's room for Lonnie um if Dejounte is still here and if the the commitment is to build the best team that can win this season and then the next few seasons I think that that the qualifying offer makes less sense for Lonnie Walker uh not only because of playing time but also because they would conceivably need that salary cap room to to go sign someone who can help Dejounte Murray. Whether that's like make a hail mary effort at De- DeAndre Ayton or anybody along those lines, um, does that make sense? Yes, it does. You talking to me? <laughs> well, I don't know. I never know if anyone's listening. It, it um, does, Mike. It's yeah, write it, go with it. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I just think, and, and and we've mentioned this before, um, so many people on this podcast wanted Lonnie to work out here, uh, and he still might. I, th- I still think there's an avenue to Lonnie Walker returning, but to answer Tom's question from earlier, I think that avenue is narrower than it was a week ago before the draft when they the Spurs added a couple of more guards, a couple more youngsters who could fit into their future in the backcourt. Uh, devil's advocate to that, though, Jeff McDonald, quoting Brian Wright, it's positionless league. So, so maybe there's room for everybody. We'll see. Anything else we need to get to before we sign off for the week? Big summer league starting soon, or are we going to talk about that next week? 
that's you and Tom. Yeah, I'll, I'll open the floor to you guys because I'm not a summer league person. You guys are going to be uh, living it up on the strip uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. What are y'all looking to see at the summer league next week? Four first round picks, two lottery picks, two lottery selections on the roster. They're going to be Including a formidable, yep, formidable crew to deal with. Mitch Johnson's got a juggernaut. I tell you what, if he doesn't win the summer league title, I think he should be fired. I'd agree with that. I think the, the <laughs> pressure is on. I think the pressure is on Mitch to produce. And if he doesn't win the summer league title, I, I think that he definitely should never coach another summer league team in Vegas again. I think he would agree that even if he wins, <laughs> right? It always goes to the to the junior member of the staff. Are they going to? Uh, is, is it going to be a Mitch Johnson, um, Darius Sangaila? Who else am from I missing? What I, still- from what I understand, it's just Mitch all the way through. No, but I'm saying for on the on the bench next year. Oh, on the bench next year. Well, is the, Willis going to get a promotion? Oh, who's going to be the promote? Yeah, well, that's something that we need to we need to hunt down. That's something to look forward. to. There's always something to look forward to. Whether 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 your favorite player is on the move, whether a new favorite player may be coming, uh, there's always going to be a bright side. I'm not going to overdo it this week. I'm just going to say that it's important to just 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 find the bright side, take care of each other, and keep it real. 